Well, uh, I don't know if anybody else noticed, but I thought this morning as I walked in, the floors of the gym looked a little shinier than normal. Did anybody else notice they were a little shinier? I'm so glad that that took place, and I'm so thankful that you were able to come back to the area with the new shiny floors after being in the cafeteria there for yesterday or for last Sunday. So uh, welcome back to uh, your home. Uh, and you do such a great job setting up Terry. I can't say that enough. You guys really are so good at this. Um, are you that way at home too? Can you just like tear the Maybe not. Okay. Well, that's okay. That's okay. You do a great job here. Thank you. Hey, I want to talk about a new subject. Last Sunday, we talked about anger. This Sunday, we're going to talk about something else a little bit different on the series of You're Not the Boss of Me, right? You're not the boss of me. But many times, our emotions tend to be the boss of us, and we have to control those emotions. We have to do something about it. Well, one time, I, and I brought this up last Sunday uh, about a big software project, big update that was going on at my work and how I had to deal with that, and it was a lot of obstacles in the way. One of those obstacles that you might remember if you were listening or if you were here last Sunday or if you were watching um, is that we had a derecho in Cedar Rapids. The derecho uh, did quite a number on our uh, property. Uh, fortunately, our house wasn't damaged too bad, but a lot of trees, a lot of mature trees in our, in our lot there fell over and had to be cleaned up, and it was a big mess. Everywhere in Cedar Rapids, it was just a, a big mess. Uh, so anyway, we lost power then as a result of that in most of Cedar Rapids. And where I worked at, we lost power. So for some reason, I don't remember why, but for some reason, we thought it'd be a good idea for all the managers to go and meet at work and bring our lawn chairs and sit in the front yard of our business and come up with some strategies and plans on how we could keep things moving, right? Well, I get that, but at the same time, in the back of everybody's mind is this deal about this derecho, and we, most of us need to get back and, you know, fix our houses, clean our... I mean, there were some priorities that really needed more attention, it seemed like, than this meeting. So here we are. I'm trying to make the best of it. I'm trying to do, you know, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, one guy in particular at this meeting, a manager, he was getting a little annoying. You ever know somebody can get a little annoying sometimes? I mean, he's like over the top. And everybody else is there going, you know, oh, I don't know. You know, he's going, hey, guys, what if, what if, you know, and, and I, I, I kind of appreciate that. But at the same time, he was going the opposite direction. Everybody else was going. Everybody else was wondering, why are we here, really? What can we really do without power? And, oh, let's get a generator. Well, how big of a generator would we need to get the whole thing? I mean, we, it's not, well, we don't need a big one. We can get a smaller one, and we can do this, and we can... What if we just, what if we got those battery backups? What if we went and got a bunch of those and were able to get them going? And I blew up. I'll just be honest. I was tired. I was thinking about what I need to do at home. And I said, stop it. I said, look, I don't know really why we're here. I don't understand why we need to do this right now. I get this is important, but you all, most of us here have other things we need to do right now. How do you expect us to concentrate on this? And I saw a lot of heads nod, like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. And so I said, just, just quit trying to make unrealistic expectations of us here. We're not going to make a miracle happen. <sighs> so I was frustrated. And the meeting didn't go very well after that. 
So we kind of, yeah, we took our lawn chairs and went home. Uh, and uh, later, as I was thinking about that whole thing, you know, I was kind of blaming him for something that he had nothing to do with. I was being upset with him, and I, he, I, it wasn't his fault. So I realized that I was going to have to apologize. So later on, we had some more of those meetings and stuff, and one of the meetings, we finally decided we'd go down to meet in Iowa City, who wasn't affected by the duration, and we rented a uh, room, a conference room in the hotel there. And so we met there, and we did that. And when there in that one of those times, I went up to him, and I said, hey, listen, I treated you poorly. Uh, you were trying to help. You're trying to come up with solutions. I appreciate that. And what I said to you was, was inappropriate. I'm sorry. Well, he had this, he had a little anger to let go of, and that's fine. Uh, that's reasonable. But in the end, he accepted my apology. He accepted my confession. He accepted my, or gave me his forgiveness. And from that point on, we actually had a better working relationship than we had before. So I think it turned out really well, but it was difficult Difficult to admit that I did something wrong and that I had to apologize for it. Have, have you ever done things in which you do something wrong and you think, hmm, I probably should apologize for that? That feeling of regret, of, of guilt. So, but so, so last Sunday we talked about anger. We talked about how anger creates IOUs that we expect somebody else to pay. I'm angry at you because you did this and you shouldn't have done that. So you owe me, right? Now, this time, we're talking about guilt. Guilt is an emotion we don't a lot of times bring up. We don't focus on it, and we really should, because this is a very important thing to have, this feeling of guilt. And the guilt is an I-O-U, you. I owe something to you. I did something, I took something, I said something, and now you're hurt. So now I have a debt to pay instead of a debt owed, all right? So the other side of the equation is that we have this IOU, and IOUs are built on guilt. When we, have, we feel guilty, we've automatically created an IOU. So it's something that we owe somebody, and we don't like the feeling of feeling guilt. I don't like it. I didn't like feeling guilty for what I said to him. So what we do, we wind up doing, is we make all types of allowances for ourselves. We make excuses. Lots of excuses. But, see, I have good reasons, but all of you have excuses. Let me give you an example. I'm racing down the road because I got something I got to do. So I'm speeding. And my reason for speeding is I'm late. Or I'm, I have a doctor's appointment, I have to get to work, I got to pick somebody up. Or, you know, I've got all these reasons why I need to break the law and go faster than normal. However, if you do it, I look at you and I wonder, how careless of a driver that is. My goodness, what in the world are they thinking? In fact, I've got a saying here that I really like. Anyone driving slower than you is an idiot. Anyone driving faster than you is a maniac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have good reasons. You, not so much. Right? We have double standards here. We have double standards. So we have to understand that in our double standards, we forget, we, we tend to slide off our guilt. We tend to say, well, I know why I did that, and it was perfectly, I'm, 
when I spoke harshly to that guy, that manager, I know I was thinking about, I, I, yeah, I've got lots of reasons. So here are some common reasons that we might have for things we might say that, and I also brought in the excuses afterwards too, that we have for our things that we do. All right, let's go to the first one. Choosing job over family too many times. That's a big one. That's a big, I've been there. I've done that too. Uh, I think it's pretty equal for men and women, but we get caught up in our careers and the importance of ourselves in our careers. We can many times. So what's the excuse then? Oh, my job supports my family. They ought to appreciate the fact that I'm bringing in an income, right? They ought to appreciate the fact that I'm going to work and helping and doing these things, right? So yeah, sometimes I've got to choose my job. What about another excuse? Cheating on a test at school. Well, we know it's wrong, shouldn't do it. But at the same time, sometimes it seems like a solution. So what's the excuse for that? I didn't have time to study because I have lots of reasons why I didn't have time to study. They're not like just, you know, I just land around. No, I had reasons, right? Okay, next one. Not helping a friend in need. Oh, boy, they want me to help? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a lot of work, you know, especially if they're moving, right? Pizza doesn't cover it. Come on, people. Pizza doesn't cover it. Maybe donuts and pizza. No, it's still not going to be enough. Sorry. Can't do it. All right, what's the excuse? I'm busy and they have other friends. You know, it's not like they really need me, right? They can take care of it. That's fine. All right, the next one, putting your wants before the needs of your family. Yikes. Yeah, this is a big guilt one, isn't it? You see all these commercials, and they've got fun stuff, and they've got cool toys and stuff, and I don't know about you, but men, oof, got to have toys, got to have things, you know, and so what's the excuse? I work hard, and I deserve it, and that's what the commercials tell me. You deserve it. This, this should be yours, Right? These are the excuses. These are the things that we use when we come up with a feeling of guilt. How do we get rid of this guilt? I don't want to carry it around. I'm justified. I have reasons. But we wind up building up a lot of IOUs and a lot of regrets. And the problem is there's no going back to fixing, really. You ever notice that? We don't have a time machine. I got a picture of one. See? It's got the extra spare tire in the back. No, okay, no, it's not. No, I, oh, yeah, no, I was thinking it was older RAV4s. No. no, this is a time machine. So we say, quick, to the time machine. And then we realize, no there's, no, no, there's no going back. You can't go back and do things and redo things. So you have to wind up realizing that sometimes you say something or do something, you just can't fix it. You can't undo it. You have to deal with it, okay? So here, let's go back to the example of choosing your, God, your job over your spending time with your family, you have to realize there are a certain limited number of time that you're going to have with your family. I mean, let's just face it, especially your kids. If you've got kids or grandkids, there's a certain limit on how many time that you're going to be able to spend on them. And so what happens is, is we wind up missing events. We wind up missing things. And when we start feeling guilty about it, even though we have these excuses, and we think they're good excuses, we wind up trying to make it up to them. Sometimes we try and buy them extra gifts at Christmas or birthday parties or some kind of a lavish birthday party. Let's just go above and beyond this time. Let's do something really big, you know. And, and, and sometimes we also loosen the rules a little bit thinking, you know, that's a way to kind of help say, I'm sorry. That's a, that's a bad choice, but we can do that sometimes. 
Uh, anybody here know the song Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapman? Anybody know that song? It's a classic. It's a classic. Probably a lot of you do. It's a song written about a father who always had excuses for why he couldn't spend time with his son. Couldn't spend time, couldn't spend time with him. And the son winds up in the very end here. It says this is the last uh, verse of the song. I've long since retired. This is the father. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids got the flu. Hey, it's been sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been nice talking to you. It's about a father who misses too many opportunities. And now he can't go back and fix what he did. There's no time machine for him. So making excuses in order to try and hide our guilt does not relieve us of the debt that we owe. Uh, when I was growing up, I had a record player, uh, LPs. You remember those? L yeah, yeah, because they're cool now. They were not cool back then. Uh, I'm just going to tell you uh, because they, I mean, you've got to be careful. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's the problem. I would buy an LP thinking, oh, this group, I like their sound and everything, so I'd buy the whole album. But a lot of times there were too many filler songs in there. And so I would have to actually skip to the song that I wanted. You know how you do that with a record? You have to pick the hand up, the arm, and carefully guide the needle right to the spot, right? And then release it. It worked. And then they start, you know, here comes the song, and then it comes to the end. Grab the arm, move it over, put it back down again. That's how you do that, right? So that's what I was doing with this record player. And then what happened was I have a goofy brother who accidentally, accidentally, runs into my record player making a nice big scratch right where that song is. You know what happened? There's a huge gap now. That song gets to a certain point. It's like, I can't listen to this anymore. It's ruined. There's a gap here. Or the one where you go, okay, so if you are in the LP thing now, you got to take care of those. I mean, you got, I mean, there's some drawbacks, right? So life can be like that. If we skip things, we, we have these gaps, these gaps that we can't fill back in again. We can't go back and do that again. So we've got to be very careful about how we handle guilt. Well, let's talk about from God's perspective, does he have an answer for us on how we can handle guilt, how we are supposed to deal with this? I think he does. And he's got a way for us to healthily help do it in a healthy way. And the solution is confession. How do you feel about confession? Uncomfortable? Maybe? A little? Yeah? Yeah? I felt very uncomfortable when I went, when I went to that manager and, and said I was wrong. That was my confession. I didn't like it. But that's what I needed to do. So I did it. Confession is exposing the wrong thing we did. It brings it out in the open instead of hiding it. And by doing that, we, are, we can be, find release from that guilt, especially if the person we've harmed or we did something to says, I forgive you. Then that IOU is paid. It goes away. Trying to cover it up never works. In fact, I got a good example. Uh, if in Genesis, you remember maybe there was a couple there. What was their name? Oh, even, uh, no, uh, yeah, no, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, I knew I'd get it right. First couple ever, 
they were in this place that was perfect. It was a perfect life, a trust then that got broken, and then the first IOU ever. What happened was they have this beautiful garden there. Everything's all, all the, everything they need, everything they need. There's one tree standing right in the middle. And God said, don't eat that tree, that fruit of that tree right there. Don't, everything else you can have, everything else is yours, everything cool, everything great. Made it just for you. And in the evening, God would even come down and talk to them. They had that kind of relationship. Can you imagine having a relationship with God where he comes to the garden and says, hey, how's it going? How you doing? Everything okay? Did you try those new beets I made? Do you like beets? No? Cook them, maybe. You know, I think it's just be amazing to have that kind of conversation with God. But they messed it up. And what happened was there was this serpent in the garden, and apparently the serpent could talk. And he said, and which is, I mean, it's okay, because that, that kind of thing can indeed happen in a time which we do not understand. So a serpent says to Adam and Eve, they say to him, they say, you know what? God told you you shouldn't eat that fruit, but... And that you would die if you ate it? And you go, ah, yeah, I don't think he's really going to kill you. No. In fact, I think he's jealous. I think he's trying to keep you from doing something that you might enjoy. I think you should eat it. I mean, look at it. It looks nice. looks great, right? And so they do. They both eat it. And when they do, it says their eyes were opened. They died in the sense that their relationship with God was broken. Their trust with God was severed. And let me read for you in Genesis 3, 8 through 13. It says, when they heard the sound of God, this is God coming in to, to, you know, spend time with them, strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God, right? Why do they hide? Guilt. They hid because of guilt. God called to the man, where are you? Now, did God not really know where he was? No, this is Adam and Eve's chance to confess. This is their opportunity to come clean. And Adam says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. And God said to him, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree that I told you not to eat from? And the man says this. This is, this, this is good. The woman you gave me as my companion, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and yes, I ate it. I mean, I got to do what my wife says, right? Wow, Adam. Wow, way to go, buddy. Okay, so basically, it's not my fault. It's Eve's fault. And by the way, didn't you make Eve? So kind of like your fault, maybe? What do you think? Okay, so what we have here now is the beginning of a whole new career. Adam became the first politician. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then what did Eve do? Okay, what did Eve do? She said, uh, uh, she said, so God says to the woman, what is it that you have done here? And the woman says, the serpent seduced me, and then I ate. Okay, now again, not my fault. In fact, Eve was the first one to coin the phrase, the devil made me do it. Right? The devil made me do it. Okay? So these are all things of guilt. Guilt, and they hid because they knew what they did was wrong, and they were feeling guilty about it, and they broke God's trust. They broke God's relationship with them, and it's been broken now. And that's the problem we have today, because we come into this world with a broken relationship with God, and God wants to fix it. God has the ability to heal and bring restitution to us and heal our relationship with God. 
So what's the proper way to handle guilt? Who do you owe? Who comes to your mind when you think about that? What kind of excuses have you used so far? Currently, you may, have a, you may be a parent or grandparent with children, and you know that even when your child says, uh, I didn't do it, I don't know, you know they did it. We have that problem, too, with God sometimes in our relationship with God. And we want to say, well, it's not my fault or the circumstances and situation, and it really doesn't cut it. So what keeps us then from confessing that we have a need for God, that we want a relationship with our God? We want to be able to have God come and walk with us, as it were, in a garden. What keeps us from doing that? One word. I'm not going to apologize because I wasn't wrong. I'm not going to apologize because I knew what I was doing, and it was this reason and that reason, so I'm not going to do anything about it. Pride. It's true of every relationship that we have that we can enter. Pride can enter into it, and you don't even try. You want to just write it off. Well, here's the good news. The good news is that by God's love, mercy, and grace and forgiveness, He is ready to offer you forgiveness for you and me if you drop the pride and admit. In 1 John 1.19, it's written, it says this, if we admit or confess our sins, simply come clean about them. He, God, won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. What does that mean? God is a God of love, grace, kindness, he does, not want, he does not choose anger. He does not choose revenge. He chooses love. He created us. He loves us. He wants that relationship. So God will be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. That is a huge forgiveness, isn't it? What a burden would be lifted by that kind of forgiveness to come clean with God, to start over again to be able to confess what we've done wrong, to be able to receive that kind of forgiveness from God, it would be outstanding. So, it's human to become full of self-righteousness, pride, and to justify our actions out of existence. But arguing with God about it, saying that we're not that bad, is not going to help. It's not going to make any difference, really, because the fact that God is such a holy being, such a perfect being, that even the best that we do doesn't measure up, doesn't work. It doesn't get rid of that guilt, that conflict that we have. There's only one way that we can get rid of that. So here, let me give you a suggestion, whether you believe and follow Jesus now or you don't. Let me give you some suggestions. First of all, what to do is you can understand your guilt. Where's it coming from? What did you do? Right? You've got to understand what happened, Right? Then see the situation from their perspective. What if somebody did that to you? What if somebody said that to you? What if somebody broke a promise to you? Do you see how that would hurt? Next thing is, don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. And I'll add to that, drop the pride. Drop the pride. Don't make excuses. Next thing, say you're sorry. Confess it. Get it out in the open. Get it out in the open. Ask if there's something you can do. Can I make it up? Is there something I can do to make this better? And then don't repeat it. 
That's a big one, isn't it? Don't repeat it. We've all broken trust. We've all done things in our relationships with one another that's caused problems, feelings of guilt and hurt and pain. And the only way to successfully deal with it is to admit the fact that we did it, to confess. And the only way we can make ourselves right with God is by also confessing. We have to confess to God that we need our guilt removed. And there's only one person who can do that, who can remove that guilt, because he paid the price for it. And that's Jesus. He was the perfect sacrifice. He took all the guilt, all the sin, all the pain, all the everything of the world on his shoulders, took it to the cross, died, so that God said, now that's forgiven. Now my relationship with you through Jesus can be healed. You can know your maker. You can know the creator. You can know now through Jesus who you are in God. And Paul writes this in Romans chapter 3. He said that what we couldn't do, God could do. He said, out of sheer, sheer generosity, he, God, put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. We try, we try, we try. Good, thank you for trying, but it requires you to accept a gift. He got us out of the mess we were in, restored us to where he always wanted us to be, and he did it by means of Jesus Christ. That is the power of forgiveness through Christ. That is the power of getting rid of the guilt that we carry around with us in our lives. So I had to go back and apologize to my coworker, and it was difficult because I felt justified in my anger. But I was able to hear the small, quiet voice of God and recognize it now that I've been following God for a number of years. And I realized that I was being prompted to say I was sorry. No excuses. So I managed to swallow my pride and do that and go and get forgiveness from someone. And I was able then to restore the relationship. In fact, I was able to have a very good working relationship. And I did feel released from that. I did feel freedom. That's what takes care of guilt. That's what happens when we confess to one another, when we do the simple things, and we say, I'm sorry, I couldn't be there for that event. My job got in the way, but I don't want it to get in the way. I don't want that. I'm going to try hard not to let it happen again. Because after you confess, you need to try to not repeat it. And in God, there's, there's the strength to help you be better. He knows our weaknesses. He understands it. And he says, I'm here now to help you. This relationship we have is being restored through Jesus, and I want to help you. I want you to grow. I want, to be the, I want you to be the best person you can be. And so that's what happened in my life, and God did that for me. And he said to, you, you said to me, you need to go say you're sorry. And so I did. He's a good father. So that's what I want to leave with you today. The action I want to leave with you is look at your life, find the guilt, find out why, and be willing to drop the pride and say, I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness. And if you're willing to even do that with God, say, God, I want more. I want more. And I realize what I do doesn't seem to be working, but can I just have faith in your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did? 
Let that do it. God will say, that will do it. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time we've had together and for sharing this, your word, and for all that you've done in my life, Lord. I have many stories to tell, the times when I said something, did something, and I regretted it, and I was filled with guilt. And many times, that was too late for me to even do anything about it. But, Lord, you have been so patient and kind with me, and you have worked with me, and you have taught me so many things. And I am so excited this morning to tell these people about you and for what you've done in my life. And I thank you, and I just ask that you will, in turn, Lord, be able to help everyone here when they need to ask for forgiveness, when they need to clean their conscience and their guilt, that, Lord, you will be with them and that you will hear their prayers because I know you will. This is your will. In Jesus' name, amen.